The following episode of The Book Guys is rated explicit for content and may contain lots and lots of violence. Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to bookguys.ca slash audible and get a free book just for signing up for a free trial. This is the Book Guys Show, episode 34. My name is Paul, also known as Paul the Book Guy. Joined today by Jim Phillips. How you doing, Jim? Guy, yeah, you a jingle. You know it. I love that. That's great. Doing good. How are you, Paul? Very well. And we also have... Sir Jimmy. Oh, yeah. In the house with the Nobot. How you doing, Nobot? And Sir Jimmy. Good. And we are joined today by special guest, Ashley Ashby. Hello. Hello, Ashley. I was just dancing to a theme song by myself. (laughs) It's a great jingle. They love all the jingles by uh, Sir Jeff Smith. And we're also joined by Alan Middleton, Professor Alan himself. In the morning, friends. How you doing, sir? Good. And uh, glad to be here. Big fan of the show, Paul. Oh, very, thank you very much. It's uh, glad we're glad to have anyone listening at all. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. We appreciate it, and uh, welcome aboard. Uh, we we uh, we actually are not live on the uh, No Agenda stream right now. So, gentlemen, we can, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we can relax. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Paul. <laughs> Everyone, breathe easy. <sighs> Seems Gimmo Slave gave me some new information for our live codes and. It's just not working. So they're probably playing an old episode of No Agenda Show right now. So we can take our time. <sighs> oh, this is so much better now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, big weekend for the Hunger Games movie. And I know that, uh, Nobot, you uh, you and uh, Sir Jimmy went to go watch it? Yeah, very good. Very, very good? Well, it was very good for some of us. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I had a long day, came home and... We had, we had pizza for dinner, and I said, I'm just going to take a little nap, wake me up, you know, time to go, because it was midnight showing. Right. About 11.15, they, they were having to shake me, and I was sitting, I was in that dazed, confused period where I was like, um, I'm not going, uh, I better go. And then, yeah, I lasted about 15 or 20 minutes. <laughs> Lovely. I, I, was ca- I was catching some major elbows as the snoring uh, started to rumble through the theater. <laughs> I, I did that once I'd, for Tron. I was just tired. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, of, of course, we were sitting in seventh row center, so everyone had a perfect, uh, perfect. We were like right in the middle of the acoustic center of the theater, so the snoring just echoed. So, Noba, did you find any uh, big differences between the book and the movie? Oh, yes, Paul. I figured out um, about Cato's armor. How in the book it says he has an armor on protecting him from the dogs when he falls off the cornucopia. Right. And in the movie, they have nothing showing that he had armor on. It Ooh. just looked like his bare skin. Oh, that probably that sounds even nastier than the book. <laughs> if you, yeah. Yeah, because in the book said he, they waited. Yeah, in the book they, uh, he had some armor on, so it was going to take a while for the dogs to do their thing. But uh, 
Yeah. Anything else you noticed? What was it about the the, the Mockingjay pin? Oh yeah, the pin. How he Gracie say just gave it to um, Katniss. They didn't add the um, like Mayor's daughter in there at all. They just oh. marked her out. Yeah. Well, see, that's what happens. That's why uh, the book's always better, my friend. That's why uh, you know they have to cut things out because if they didn't cut anything out from the books, it would be a twenty-eight movie series, you know, or they'd have to do like. Uh, George R. R. Martin is doing with Game of Thrones and making it into a television series where, you know, he's he's getting like, a, you know, a 20 hours every season to do one book where you can't do that with an hour and a half movie. So, yeah, they, they have to take shortcuts, I guess. I got to say the first 20 minutes, which uh, I, I have a vague recollection of, I, I noticed they started off like uh, the beginning of Star Wars, where instead of going through the backstory, they got you know, a bunch of paragraphs that you have to read, or if you, you come in late to the movie, you, you've lost the whole backstory about what's going on. It's just like, happy <laughs> Hunger Games right off the bat, and they're going, there's the Hunger Games. They just go right into it. You don't understand what, what's happened, why everyone is so poor, why they're, why is this girl in a, a place where she's got to crawl through an electric fence to go hunt for deer? You, you just what don't have any now? idea. Yeah. yeah. If you missed uh, In a Galaxy Far, Far Away, you, you're probably sitting there going, where's Earth? Yeah, far, true. far away. <laughs> far away. Far away from what? Yeah, exactly. Uh, here, interesting tales of it. Now, how was Lenny Kravitz as Senna? There, no bot. Do we get to see Senna? Him? What did you think about him? Oh well, they didn't show him as much as they should have. People like my mom was thinking that they should have showed mm. Senna way more than they did. Yeah, we won't get into that. Well, <laughs> we'll leave that for another show. Does she's okay. always been quite the Lenny Kravitz fan? Let's just put it that way. Okay, I may be a Lenny Kravitz fan in a different way. Now I had some uh, <laughs> some uh, info here on Lenny Kravitz himself. <clears throat> a lot of people don't know that uh, he, his mom played the Jeffersons' neighbor's wife. There you go. We're going back to the Jeffersons. There, nobody. You got to watch an episode eventually. That's right. We still got to pull out YouTube so I can show him. That's right. <laughs> Uh, the song Fly Away uh, originally wasn't on his album 5. He, uh, he was actually testing a new guitar when he came up with the guitar riff. And an hour later, he had written the song. He actually called the, uh, the factory in China himself that was about to print his uh, CDs and stopped them. He said, stop. The number one song is, is I just wrote it. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And that's kind of guy, kind of guy he is. He's very creative. Um, you know, he, his first hit, Are You Gonna Go My Way, was written... On a napkin in its entirety, uh, music and lyrics while he was having dinner. So, so I want to see how he uh, works out as an actor uh, if he if his uh, you know his artistic talent uh, trans uh, translates onto the silver screen. Yeah, you know, just a little bit that I saw of him, he wasn't really made up much at all. It just looked like they threw you know leather pants and a leather jacket on him and sent him on his way. With yeah, a couple he probably rings. just walked in like that. They're like, hey, you're good. <laughs> That's it. He's like, I'm ready. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, so we're looking forward to, I'm, I'm going to be watching it on, uh, Friday for the matinee show. Cause we got a little, uh, well, not a little, we got a big theater here in Toronto that, uh, we go to, if you go on a Friday at about five o'clock, there's no one there and it doesn't matter <laughs> what, uh, you know, how huge it is. Which theater is this? Uh, it's the one on Islington, uh, and near Islington and Queensway. Oh yeah, I don't. But you have to go to bef- uh, the latest show you can go to is five o'clock. You can't oh. go after six at six is a lineup. Like when you leave that, that showing there'll be a big lineup because people are getting off work but you have to kind of get off work a little earlier and, and go for it 
I think if I can talk Nobot into it, I'm going to see if he wants to go watch it again this week so I can uh, Oh, my God, it's so good. You want to go see it again? Yeah. I like the – my favorite part was like when Senna put him on fire. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's right. When their costumes, the – the, the fake fire. I want to see how that looks. Probably pretty cool. Her dress, her dress, how it lights up. A huge movie, guys. I mean, uh, we're talking about a series of books that uh, Twilight was huge. Twilight, I believe, is still the record holder for opening weekend. But Twilight appealed more to the female crowd and more to the younger crowd, where it looks like Hunger Games uh, is appealing to males and females because uh, because of the content of the book it's just it's conducive of everybody enjoying it and you get a lot of older people enjoying it so like sir jimmy uh, uh, stay with me here like some movies you'll take your your child to because the child wants to watch it and you'll you're kind of just going along for the you know you're you're the chauffeur but in this case i'm i'm guessing you were going uh, because you wanted to watch it Oh, absolutely. Me, me uh, Nobot, and his mama, we all read the book, so we were excited to go. And then here just, uh, was it yesterday, you guys went and saw the Lorax? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't drag me to that one. No, <laughs> yeah, no. I don't like <laughs> No. And, Alan, you have a audiobook you listen to this week. And we just figured out that it is. Fiction. 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 I do. It's uh, uh, My Lost Daughter by Nancy Taylor Rosenberg. She's a a writer of uh, legal thrillers. And I think I've read uh, every one of hers. And uh, this one was not the best of hers, I must confess. Um, There are uh, some interesting potential uh, plots in it. Uh, You have an FBI agent who's tracking down a, a serial killer who preys on people who want to die, you know, people who've attempted suicide. I mean, that's a great concept. Um, it's a municipal judge with a secret he desperately wants to keep secret. That's a, a carryover from, from prior uh, books featuring this character of uh, Lily Forrester. And there's a, a mental hospital committing insurance fraud on a massive scale. And so a lot of great potential content there. It just didn't didn't pull together as much as I as much as I was hoping for. And uh, how, how was the reading of it, anyways? Uh, very good. I think you know most of these you know get to a point where most of these you know professional uh, professional audio books are are uh, excellent excellent readers. Um, you know, uh, uh, professional actors, even if they're not celebrities, which I. I some of those are good and some of those not so good. I know it's tempting for an author to want to read their own book, but obviously authors are not are not the trained at that. Right. Not not everyone can do it like like uh, Scott Sigler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when you get these professional, you know, stage actors who may not have TV or movie credits, but they're you know excellent. Uh, they can be uh, excellent readers. Yeah, and and you you need a you really need an actor to to do a an audiobook reading uh, just because. Uh, it's not just reading, <laughs> you know, you have to put emotion into it. You have to do, in some cases, voices, uh, you know, you have to keep the voices distinguishable in some cases. I think some narrators just don't, don't do that. And uh, I find when an audiobook really hits home for me is when the, uh, I can pick it up at any point and I know which character's talking. Exactly. So Alan, let, let's hear your best falsetto. <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. I'll pass on that offer. Thank you. 
they're going to think that's, there are two girls on the show. So my lost that's my, daughter. That's a regular lecturing voice at, at, at college. What do, what do you mean? Why, yeah, you Professor laugh? Allen, tell us a little bit about yourself because Professor Allen isn't just your Xbox handle, is it? That is actually my profession. I'm a university professor here in the, the great state of Ohio at Ohio University. Uh, if you are following the NCAA basketball, we made quite a run. <laughs> Almost beat North Carolina a couple nights ago. Ooh, and I teach. I teach uh, business, uh, business and finance. Okay, all right. And you also have a blog, do you not? The Eyes and Ears blog. And uh, I'm not sure what the what's the URL for that. If people want to check out your your chat, it's it's uh, Eyes and Ears blog blogspot dot com. And I just talk about um, what I read and what I listen to, which is books, comic books, audio books, audio dramas, podcasts. Sound familiar? Sounds familiar. Uh, <laughs> I may have stolen that from you. No, I did not steal it. Uh, so uh, the, this is the, what, the second in the series by Nancy Taylor Rosenberg as far as this uh, the My Lost Daughter series? Uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, more than that. I, I don't know. The series itself does not have a name, but this character, uh, the main character, as I think appeared in three or four of her books in the past. Oh, Okay. And we will uh, we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. And uh, let's see. Ashley, we're going to talk later about uh, Emily Carr. Yes, that's right. We want to discuss her, famous Canadian uh, painter and writer. But mm-hmm. uh, can you, let's tell the folks where you're from. Where are you at? Uh, what's your online handles? Uh, well, I live in Toronto. Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter name is Cartoon in Person. Some people think I'm um, like a cartoon, so <laughs> that's why. And I also have a blog called Beyond Passing Time. And the URL for that is lovablehomebody.blogspot.com. Nice. Yes. And what do we all have on our Kindles this week? What's new? Um, I just finished Alpha by Greg Rucka, coming out in May. Um, it is a story. It's, it's, it's your Tom Clancy type uh terrorist story terrorists good guys versus terrorists and um i think at some point mr rucka must have got an editor because an editor must have said mr rucka you can't make a story like this about disneyland you have to change all the names you got to take mickey mouse donald duck out of it take out disneyland because it's basically a story about terrorists trying to do really really bad things at disneyland like on the dumbo ride (laughs) yeah but they'll make it like the lumbo ride you know it's (laughs) They'll change all the names. No, don't forget that one. <laughs> Not Mickey Mouse. It's Poochie. You know, wasn't Poochie mm-hmm. the guy from? Uh, wasn't he the, the dog? Yes, from The Simpsons. Yeah, right. That was a good episode. So I'll bring that up next week. It was actually wasn't a really good book. Uh, just had one or two little uh, things in it that I thought were funny and maybe out of place in, in the really good book, but. You know when uh, you know when Greg Ruck is not writing those thrillers. You know he writes a ton of comic books. I did not know that. Yeah, he's written some Batman, some Superman, some. He's written for Marvel as well, and he has a sort of an, an independent, a very popular independent series called Queen and Country. That's a, that, that's sort of a spy, uh, spy comic series. Ah, there you go. You see, folks, this is why five brains are better than one. <laughs> Greg Rucka, yeah. So, well, I'll take a look into what else he's done. Well, when I discuss the book next week, we'll uh, we'll talk about it. And we're going to be right back uh, before we go on and uh, discuss Emily Carr. I've got a little bit of a interview with Scott Sigler. And that's coming up next after these messages. Coming soon. 
What is it? I waited in line all night for this. It was well worth it. It was so good, I bootlegged it on my phone. State-of-the-art special effects. I can't believe those were special effects. It looked, it just looked so real. Wearing the 3D glasses was totally worth it. Presented in Dolby 33.1 stereo. First there were sounds from left. I, I even looked from my left. It was insane. The bass had me shaking in my seat. What is it? It's a book. That's right, it's the Buckeyes Show, Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on NAGradio.com. Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? Hi, now that I've got your attention, I'd like to tell you about a great little podcast. Well, okay. It's called Seventh Row Center, and it's hosted by me, Alex the Movie Guy. I work for Kaiser Soze. Anyway, every week I get together with Weekly Animated's David Hickson. These men are the leaders of a terrorist organization wanted for the abduction of a little monkey. Well, no. We're movie opinionists who give our thoughts about films new and old. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! Check out our show. It's called Seventh Row Center, and it's part of the Bear Crawling Nation. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Scott Sigler is the author of Infected, Earth Core, Ancestor, The Rookie, and lots and lots of other violence. His new hardcover, Nocturnal, is hitting the streets in April, and the New York Times bestselling Dark Overlord joins us now. Hello, Scott. Hi, how you doing? Very well, very well. Just getting over a little cold, but uh, it might sound a little raspy, but uh, here we are. Uh, I just uh, finished watching your unboxing video on the scottsigler.com of Nocturnal. Can you tell our listeners who don't uh, know about it yet uh, what the story's about? Well, it is um, it is a kind of a police procedural mashup of the modern-day monster story. Um, I have been describing this as Lethal Weapon meets Hellboy. Uh, it, <laughs> it starts out with a pair of homicide inspectors in San Francisco who are investigating very uh, serial killing, really brutal serial killing. And the main character, Brian Clouser, starts to have dreams and in those dreams, he is hunting and killing and, and partially eating people. And then the next day, they get called in to go look at a murder scene, and the scene matches his dream almost exactly. And Brian falls pretty quickly under suspicion that he's responsible for all of this. And then there's a lot of dynamics between he and his partner, Pookie Chang, as Pookie has to decide if he's going to back Brian or if he's going to turn Brian in for what he clearly should, because it looks like Brian is very guilty. And that's the traditional police procedural thriller, suspense thriller element. And then it completely goes off the rails, as Kirkus called it. Their Kirkus review said it takes a complete left turn and goes right. heavily into the horror and the genre field. And we get, uh, we get some pretty bloody and some pretty messy activity going on. That guides them toward a meeting with what I call the mother of all monsters. Yes. And uh, things, get, things get progressively nastier. And it builds up to a big cinematic summer blockbuster type finish. Absolutely, it does. And uh, Nocturnal started off. Uh, you you actually did this one as a an audio beforehand. Yeah, I, this is the one and only book that I have ever podcast as I wrote it. So I would write a chapter during the week, and then I would record it and and release it on Sunday. That took over a year to do, um, and I found that format really limiting. Because as a thriller writer, 
there's a lot of a lot of foreshadowing and backshadowing and, right, and a lot of right. things that tie it all together so that when you get to the big reveal points, things make sense and things are logical. But when you're podcasting it every week, uh, you can't go back and change what happened in week one. So if I'm in week eight or if I'm in chapter eight, I'm like, oh, it'd be much cooler if this guy was Hispanic instead of Asian. Uh, it's too late. It, he's right. already Asian because you already said that in the in the chapter that you released to all your fans. So I did release the whole book for free. It wound up being about a 225,000-word book, which uh, I think pegs out at about 900 to 1,000 pages hardcover. So it was a really big, epic adventure. And then working with the editors over at Crown Random House, we managed to get that, we managed to get it all the way down to I think 190,000 words. So it's still huge, but it's been completely rewritten and it's a much sharper, much cleaner story now and I think people okay. will love it. So 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 for some of us who have uh, already listened to the audio, this is a, a fresh uh, well, I wouldn't say fresh take, but uh, there's definitely been some changes that uh, we should look forward to. Yeah, I think the the bones of the story are still there. The the concept of Marie's children, Brian and Pookie, and Rex, who is our, our teenage um, antagonist, uh, all, they will see a lot of familiarity with that. But probably about even 20% into the book, things start to feel very, very different. So it'll be interesting for existing pe- people who have already listened to the story. It will feel familiar, and they'll feel like they know these characters, but the plot starts to go in a lot of different directions that they didn't see before. So I think it'll be a very interesting experience. And I would say... The last 30% of the book is completely, completely different. So uh, people who have already listened to it for free really should still go pick up the hardcover uh, because they're, they're going to have quite a fun experience going through the story. Well, mine's already on pre-order, so I'm, I'm going to put a, show, a link in the right. show notes to, uh, to Nocturnal, uh, the hardcover, so folks can uh, quickly find you. And, of course, they can go to scottsigler.com. Now, now, a little bit on your history, Scott. You wrote your first story when you were three? No, I wrote my first story in third grade. Third grade. Oh, okay. Third grade. I don't know how old you are in the third grade, but that, yeah, the first story I wrote was uh, Tentacles, Tentacles, and More Tentacles, <laughs> which uh, I, I still have. I've actually given that to my uh, business partner, A. Kovacs, for safekeeping because I just lose stuff. But uh, when, you know, when you're a little kid in class and they have you make your own book with a few pages <laughs> inside and, and everybody else is – I don't know what everybody else is writing about, but I wrote a giant monster story. So that's the first thing I wrote, which was quickly followed up with my next epic work, which was The Monster Under the Porch – so um, from square one, I was off and running in the, in the horror genre. Now, are we going to be hearing a, a, po- a patio books version of those? You know, <laughs> A and I have talked about that. Uh, we've talked about collecting them into an ebook form so you could read them on a traditional ebook reader. And then also some of them see uh, the pages in PDF because they're hysterical to look okay. at some of the drawings and some of the, some of the writing. Uh, but we've talked about taking – I have like – 30 or 40 stories I wrote, I think, before I, before I was in high school, we talked about taking them, putting them together in an ebook, and just putting them up in the Kindle store. Like if, you know, if, if I'm one of your favorite authors and you like what I've done, if you want to see the, what I went through as a kid to get to this point, here you go. You know, throw it up for like 99 cents or something like that and just have fun with it. So there, there are some discussions about taking all that childhood content and making it available to people. Yeah, the rise of the the dark overlord. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <Love> <laughs> exactly. And now you're you're one of the huge success stories from uh, PatioBooks.com, if not one of the first. Uh, you're in that group that uh, that's gone against the traditional print model and uh, narrating books yourself, releasing them for free, and you know this this whole karma thing seems to be uh, working out very well for you. Uh, is this something you would recommend to, to other authors, to to all authors? Well, it's happening all over again, so to speak. 
what we did five and six years ago was uh, record our own audiobooks and give those books away. And we were taking advantage of the sharing power of the internet. So if we put something out and we're lucky enough for someone to listen to it, a certain percentage of those people, we're just going to love it. And then they were going to email all of their friends, go, hey, look at this free audiobook I found. Right. And, you know, friends tend to gravitate towards people who are like-minded. So once you started to get that word of mouth, you got kind of a cascade effect uh, of uh, friend A gives it to friend B, friend B loves it, pass it on to friend C, et cetera. So we were able to kind of strike gold there and get a lot of exposure in a very short amount of time and build up a fan base that people like Mark Jeffries and T. Morris and J.C. Hutchins and Mer Lafferty, we were able to then turn around and sell print books to that audience and the, print, the audience was, was happy to buy them because they liked what we did. Nowadays, though, with the advent of the Kindle store and the Nook store, and the ability for any author to get their content in there and have a, a worldwide distribution network for free. Well, not for free. You give up 30% of the sale of your book. But right. you, know, you don't have to have any distribution. Amazon's already done that for you. So now what I recommend to people is the podcasting thing, if you are a ham and you want to record your own audiobooks and perform, that's great. Do that. People will love it. But it's an enormous amount of time. And it's a lot of time that you could be spending writing and promoting your book. So you got to think about it. On the other hand, if you just want to write and give your stuff away, write, get things into the Kindle store, uh, get at least a couple of things in there for 99 cents or for free, and then let Kindle's magic algorithm start to build you that audience that then you can capitalize on later by selling books for, you know, $2.99, $3.99, $4.99, et cetera. So now the way to do it is to use Kindle and use the Kindle store, not necessarily to podcast. There you go. So uh, now where, where can constant readers find all your stuff, Scott? Well, all my stuff is at scottsigler.com. We've got links to everything there. We also have, I, I am still podcasting every week. So people can get my free audiobook episodes at scottsigler.com. If they want, and those are serialized books. So the one I'm doing right now, the All Pro, which is book three in the Galactic Football League series, uh, we're on episode 22 and you'll have to wait every week to get an episode. But if you want to go back and get my previously podcasted books, Altogether, those are at podiobooks.com, which you already mentioned, which is P-O-D-I-O-B-O-O-K-S.com. And there's something like over 400 author-read audiobooks that people can go get for free. So those are the two places to check me out. And, of course, Amazon.com. And if you also want to subscribe to my current or past podcast books, the free ones, you can just go to iTunes Store, search for Scott Sigler. You will find tons of stuff. Excellent. Thank you very much, Scott. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Appreciate having me on. Hi, this is John Barnes, and I wrote Directive 51, Daybreak Zero, and Tales of the Madman Underground, and right now, I'm writing The Last President, and you are listening to Paul the Book Guy. Book guys. And for the hearing impaired, our show is transcribed by protranscript.com. Uh, usually about a week after our show comes out, uh, you can get our show as a text file on our website. Uh, well, by the way, gentlemen and ladies, uh, the website, wow, what a week. <laughs> we had a full crash. <laughs> I, was, I was following that on Twitter. Yeah, I was trying not to use swear words. <laughs> but uh, the host eventually got their stuff together and managed to retrieve half of the database. Mm. Nice. Oh dear! <laughs> so at some point, folks, next in the next month, I will be entering all the old stories again. I just got to find another fifteen hours. Mm. Uh, what can you do? Mercy! How how can someone cheer themselves up after that? I'll tell it's you. It's good they had that all backed up, though. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. You know, I, I had been backing up the, the site folder and then I realized that I hadn't – there's a thing in WordPress where you can back up your database and I'm going to get mm-hmm. all technical Same now. Same in Blogger. Yeah, it's going to become uh, This Week in Tech if I – but I, I wasn't backing up the database. So all I had was like the, the, the theme, the way the site looked, but all the, uh, the files were, <laughs> were not Oh, so you just backed up the template basically. Yeah. What can you do? What can you do? I'm going to cheer myself up with this. The Think Geek item of the week from thinkgeek.com. I love it when guests come with a Think Geek item of the week. <laughs> All you got to do is go to bookguys.ca slash thinkgeek. And that is there again. The site is back up. And uh, Alan, you have a, a pick for us. Yeah, I do. This is uh, uh, from the uh, – it's actually it's a, one of their T-shirt uh, selections, a reference from the Big Bang Theory on an, on an episode where uh, Sheldon Cooper popularized his quote-unquote improvement to the old-time game, uh, giving the world rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. <laughs> and uh, the T-shirt shows the five hand configurations – we know rock, paper, and scissors, but it gives us Lizard and Spock as well. And also, very importantly, shows which beats which. Uh, <laughs> we gave the shirt to our daughter last year, I think for her birthday. And it is one of her favorite shirts to this day. The, the only one I know is uh, Paper Disproves Spock. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but was, is- my, my wife saw one up online here a few weeks ago, and it was also from the Big Bang Theory. It was uh, the Soft Kitty song. <laughs> it was all written out with a little with a little kitty. It was all fuzzy, and she says, "I have to have that shirt." Every time she sees a T-shirt, she's like, "She has to have it." <laughs> ah, the collection of T-shirts is growing thanks to Think Geek. I tell you, and I never see her wear a T-shirt ever. But <laughs> yeah, a, but she's got a pile of them. <laughs> oh, that was this week's the Think Geek item of the week from. Bookguys.ca slash thinkgeek. Thank you, Alan. That was a great pick, actually. And they have a baby bib. They have uh, quite a few different items with that logo on it. Yes. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> ah, and um, Ashley Ashby. Hello. I love your name, by the way. The, just the way it rolls off the tongue. Oh, thanks. It's certainly memorable. <laughs> uh, you were on to discuss Emily Carr, one of our most famous uh, writers and painters here in Canada. Oh, yeah. I actually, um, I first read Emily Carr in university. I was taking a class called Canadian Life Writing in my final year. It was a a four-level English course, and I was not an English major, so naturally I was terrified. (laughs) But um, she just amazed me because she is such an honest person. She's so humble and candid and it's just I just thought it was fascinating because it's not something that I expected you, you you assume such an amazing painter is going to be somewhat aware of her amazingness <laughs> right but she she isn't I mean I love I haven't read all of her books but and folks if you want to follow along you right now go to Google uh, just type in Emily Carr uh, E-M-I-L-Y space C-A-R-R and uh, switch Google over to images, and the, and the 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 first I don't know hundred or so are going to be her paintings and uh, uh, portraits of her, uh, really amazing stuff. And she she started with uh, with doing uh, native themed art. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what she started. Um, but it's interesting because her I don't know much about art, but her early paintings are I think much different from her newer paintings that we all 
identify with. So it's it's interesting. And, and, and actually, in some of her written work, she has some sketches that she didn't actually intend to include in the books. But when they were published posthumously, the publisher decided to include these sketches, which I thought was really interesting because the sketches were of the things she was writing about, but she was writing about these things like 30 years after they happened. So, right. you know, she, she was writing with this voice of a painter, you know, she's essentially painting with words, but that's more mature than the sketches I think that, that are included. So, and ethically, I think there's some issues with that because, you know, she did not intend for those sketches to be included. So it's sort of like you're altering someone's vision, essentially. But um, yeah, you it know, certainly it, works. <laughs> they, they say one of the most embarrassing things you can do is die. And, uh, yeah, if you leave sketches or writings lying around and someone can publish them, they probably will. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't mind because she's so awesome and... Um, yeah, the more you can yeah. see. I mean, it's like like uh, you know, finding uh, Da Vinci's uh, anything he scribbled on a napkin when he was having dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it can be in any art museum in the world, really. Yeah, it's sort of like if you have a public profile as an artist, you have to anticipate that your work might be shared in the future, whether you're you know sharing it yourself or not. So now you can probably find most of uh, uh, Mrs. Carr's work now as a uh, public domain. I would believe, because she, she passed away in the 1940s. Yeah, 1945. Um, I think it's fi- after 50 years things became come public domain. Is that right? Uh, I believe so. At the time, I think I know Disney's, uh, uh, in, in working with the government, has changed that. And oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't yeah, surprise me. <laughs> it's, it's all convoluted, complicated now. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to yeah. take a look on Amazon here and... Uh, well, you can find a bunch of art books on Amazon, uh, at least, and there and there. Well, you obviously have to pay for those. That's the artwork. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, if you're going to read Emily Carr, I really recommend looking at her art first because it definitely you definitely read her written stuff differently because, she's, like I said, she's essentially painting with words. Her descriptions are so vivid and she's so honest. And you know, obviously, as a painter, you have to see the world in a new way, and, and you definitely. You definitely feel that in her writing. She's definitely she has a very unique perspective. Yeah, it looks like her work is not in the public domain, but uh, certainly uh, worth uh, the purchase. I mean, they're they're priced, uh, they're all priced reasonably, and uh, you can find it a lot of uh, items by Emily Carr here if you're into classic works. Mm-hmm. And you can certainly find her sketches in some of her works, like uh, written works, like Pause. Pause is a really good book. That's the first book I read, actually. Okay. Yeah. And actually, Emily Carr um, didn't start off writing. I mean, I know she had a journal, which is my favorite one of her books, but I don't think she started that till the 20s. But um, she started writing because she became really sick. She had heart problems, and she couldn't go out and paint anymore. So it was like, uh, basically, writing became her new outlet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So perhaps that's why she was sort of painting with words because it was just she had to find a new way to express that perspective of nature and the world and her dogs and everything she wrote about. She wrote everything she wrote was about her life. Yeah, so she just and it's turned, all retrospective. Turned, that turned to a new, uh, new format of art. Mm-hmm. What well, now, gentlemen, Jim, Sir Jimmy, Alan? Have you read any uh, classics lately? I know Sir Jimmy read. Uh, some Hemingway, he actually talked about it the other, 
the other week on the show. Uh, I know Jim Phillips, you're big into reading the classics. Oh, from time to time, yeah. Uh, as as I, I usually maybe once a year I'll, I'll I'll pop in and you know and just those books that you can you know say after I I read it <laughs> that kind of thing. But Alan, any any classics on your uh, table there? You, you know, at 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 one point a few years ago, I tried to work my way through some of the the classic Russian novels, and uh, I did finish Anna Karenina, but I'm not sure I'm going back to that well anytime soon okay <laughs> there's just way too much stuff coming out that's new that uh you know i i tried to i try to do the classics every so often i just don't always get around the time to them Not, I, uh, I i i will say that that's one use that i've uh, found for my my e-reader we have a, a nook color and uh you know the old books you're talking about public domain mm-hmm. um you know the the old books that are on on public domain through mostly through project gutenberg uh which is attempting to you know digitize many of these many of these classics um so that's how i've read some you know uh yeah and, and, there's there's an app for i if you have an ios device there's an app called free books and i think there's a link on our site um mm-hmm. and it's just they're so well organized in that app it look it's a little bookshelf and but they're all free books i mean the app costs you like a dollar it's it, it flips between a dollar and two dollars, depends on the week. But uh, they're so well organized, and they're all free, and you can just download each one of them. There's audio books in there as well. And uh, there are a lot of great classics that uh, folks can check out and or just go through the Kindle store on your, on your Kindle. Yeah. Well, after our conversation on our other podcast, the Emergency Broadcast System, where we were talking with the meat clowns about pink slime in uh, America's <laughs> beef, yes, <laughs> I picked up a copy of The Jungle. Mm. Okay, <laughs> and read through that. It was all about the um, early meat packing industry and in uh, in Chicago at the turn of the century and the unsanitary conditions and the the things that that were going on. You wouldn't believe what was ended up in your meat, and you know the way they had people working in in like pits of fertilizer in another factory, and their fingers falling off, and you know skin burning and. Just the things that they these immigrants were going through, just trying to um, trying to get by, just yeah. trying, just getting by, the, living the American dream, you know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there you go. So uh, yeah, we, we 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 were talking earlier about the Hunger Games, and I'm certainly you know glad the movie seems to be a, a runaway hit. I I do wish that a little bit of that box office could have gone to John Carter a few weeks ago. That was one of the one of the books I got on the. On the nook a few uh, a few months ago uh, from the you know the Mars uh, yeah, Edgar yeah, Rice Burroughs novel. I think John from, Carter what, suffered from 1910s or so from some bad uh, marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you absolutely. know, I think it just wasn't packaged right. It wasn't uh, a lot of people didn't know it was based on a, on a Burroughs novel. A lot of people didn't know what it was about. Uh, I didn't know what it was about. Uh, I never connected. Anyways, yeah. I saw John Carter. I saw some of the ads were really weird and. Just didn't tell you what it was all about. Yeah, the same guys uh, that d- directed that directed uh, Finding Nemo and Wall-E. So I guess he was he was due uh, for a flop and yeah, due yep. due for a lemon. <laughs> yeah, Disney, Disney just owed him one and said, "Sure, go ahead and make it. You know, do whatever you want." <laughs> but actually, get, getting back to to Emily Carr, I know we're talking about the classics and uh, and what we always do this. By the way, actually, we're, we go off on tangents. Uh, tangents are good. Mostly my fault. I think I think podcasts should mimic real 
conversation, which is very fragmentary. So oh yeah, I don't, I don't have a, I don't it. have a list of uh, talking points that the you know the sponsors gave us. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> thinking yes, thinking yeah, doesn't do care that, yeah. what we say really. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Emily Carr. Uh, people should check her out. Uh, like I said, go to Amazon. You can take a look at. Uh, there's the art books are, are brilliant. Mm-hmm. See, this is something that the new iPad. There he goes on a tangent again. So, <laughs> something that the new iPad would be good for is watch uh, reading art books. Uh, you know, the resolution as far as being able to see paintings, uh, look at them up close, and see the mm-hmm. detail. Yeah, absolutely. Let us get into the world of comic books, comic books, comic books. Well, since we have <laughs> Professor Allen on the show, we might as well. Good. Love me my comic books. I love me some comic books as well, my friend. What, what do you do? You, uh, do you still do the uh, physical books? I do a few. Uh, most of the the reading I do now is is a little bit older stuff. I wait for things to come out and trade paperback. Oh yes. Um, you know, so I'm I I, I I'm always at best six months behind. Usually, many years behind. <laughs> yeah. uh, picking things up either at the trade paperbacks at the public library or uh, purchasing some. Yeah, uh, I, I don't I've, do I've much. Not, I've not, I don't know that they've cracked the code with, with e-readers yet on, yeah, I, in terms I, of comic books. Right. It's, it's, uh, I've tried it and like I said, it, it's swipe, 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 swipe. There goes two ninety nine. I'd rather have a book to keep, <laughs> you know, because uh, for me, a comic book, the same thing. It's flip, 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 uh, done. All right. Now, but I have something left to show for it. I can put it away or give it to someone else or like, like I forgot who said it, but leave it in the bathroom, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just the, the digital, the digital ebook uh, in that case, uh, it's not worth the, I don't think it's worth the three, $4. Uh, you it don't does, get the it, resolution it, on, on the images. I guess that's it does, you don't have the trophy. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that, uh, that memento of the reading experience. Uh-huh. I read that, this that physical reminder. Yeah, yeah, and I guess uh, it's the same thing for uh, hardcovers and things. Mm-hmm. I, I just collect too many books. I guess they're, they're kind of like the insulation in my walls. So I'll I'll do the trophy purchase once in a while too. I mean, uh, I I had been given a advanced copy of eleven twenty two sixty three, and I still bought the hardcover when I passed by it on the you know on the in the store. So you got to have that trophy on your shelf, kind of thing. So you, you've uh, read anything uh, recently? Oh. Well, I just I, I just not knocked out this week a uh, a, a collection from uh, DC Comics. Uh, Showcase presents All Star Comics. Nice. And, uh, yeah, Showcase presents is a series. They're inexpensive black and white uh, reprint collections, and they run four to five hundred pages for fifteen to twenty dollars. And if you can get around the lack of color, and it, it that is an adjustment. Color is an important part of you know comic book stories as they originally appeared. Right. But if you that you know that being said, these are incredibly bargain priced. Um, is there uh, any particular the reason they're not mm-hmm. printing them in color? Is just the cost thing? Uh, the, it's it it it's uh, the cost and the paper quality. So this is sort of the lowest. And this is uh, these particular books. You know, comic book reprints come in all shapes and sizes and, and, and color and black and white and different uh, print qualities, you know, now, paper qualities, in, and therefore in, different price levels. In, in the old days, and I don't know about now, but that wasn't okay. One, one person would ink the black and white, and then there would be a, a colorist who would do the colors afterwards. 
That's right. It is, it is sort of ironic. Now, these are full reprints. So I'm looking at, and it does have the name of the colorist. <laughs> in this, in this white reprints. No, well, I guess they couldn't have, you know, gone back and you know, whited that out. Would have been impolite, but there is an irony there. Right, <laughs> they didn't scratch his name out at least. So, so what kind of tales are in this one? Uh, this uh, uh, probably has twenty to twenty-five stories, and it starts from the. There was a, you know, reboots are sometimes a bad word in 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 in, in comic books, but this was a a nineteen seventies reboot of the Justice Society of America which was actually DC Comics' first super team, originally appearing all the way back in the 1940s. Ooh, who's in that team? <laughs> uh, it's actually a retired Batman, a, uh, a Superman with a little bit of gray hair on his temples. Okay. <laughs> uh, the original Green Lantern, the original Flash, and then they also, as part of this reboot, they throw in some younger characters as well, Power Girl and the Huntress are in there as well. So it's a, you know, part of the the stories are this mix of of old and new characters. I can't see retired like Batman doesn't have any superpowers or any special abilities other and than which, being rich. When he gets old, he needs to retire. <laughs> He's actually in this in this uh, particular continuity. Um, Bruce Wayne is actually um, you know retired from business and is actually the police commissioner. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just forgot. He wasn't wearing a costume like this, this poor, like, you know, seven year old guy with, a, you know, creaks in his knees trying to fight, you know, Brainiac or anything. <laughs> right. okay. I, do like, I, I do like Superman with a little bit of gray at his temples. It is a different look. <laughs> All right. You got that whole Mitt Romney going on. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that sounds hot until you said Mitt Romney, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry about that. You crushed my dreams. <laughs> Uh, we're we're going to go on to a little bit of book news. Not much book news, uh, but the usual, uh, let's see, Harry Potter ebooks delayed again. Ladies and gentlemen, spectaclism.com. That's, that's all you got to know. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, the disaster that is Pottermore. I mean, uh, we're all surprised about that, right? Yeah, big surprise. Ooh, it's like, it's like someone falling to their death from the, uh, Spider-Man, uh, you know, Broadway production. Are, are you sure that constitutes news? <laughs> exactly. It's not news anymore. <laughs> we just have a regular segment. <laughs> no. A regular segment, the Harry Potter, or we need a jingle. The Harry Potter ebooks are delayed. The, uh, the point that you guys made a few weeks ago about, you know, when the, when the spectaclism was uh, first, uh, when that term was first dubbed on the show, about, you know, sort of the, the, the lack of content, I think is really going to take some people by surprise, from what I understand, you know, that yeah. the fact that you can get through that stuff pretty quickly, from what I understand, I, I wonder, just sort of wonder how diehard fans are going to react to that. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, if you spend two, uh, kids that love Harry Potter series and adults that love Harry Potter series that have, you know, nothing else to do but uh, go online and, and go through Pottermore and have a good time on the weekend or spend 24 hours a day on it like the you know South Koreans do on some of these uh, online games, you burn through it in a week. <laughs> and, and then what? I mean, you're not going to pay your monthly fee for it after that. And it's just silly, dumb. Put your books on Kindle, spectaclism.com. 80 res- 81 results on Google now, folks. We're, all, we're halfway to the Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> we're almost there. We had a, we have a bookstore here in Toronto that's selling a, a book called The uh, Gift to Muslim Couple. And apparently it's a book that uh, teaches 
Muslim men and women uh, that a man, not only how, but not only why or if, but how a man should beat his wife when she needs correction. Oh, and, and there's this big thing going on in Toronto about this this one book. And, you know, I'm, I'm against uh, censoring books, but why are we importing this kind of thing into the country at all? <laughs> I guess you can't be for, you know, free, uh, free speech and against uh, certain books, but uh, it's, a, it's a horrible thing to think that we have people still in this country that uh, are going by some of these uh, ancient uh, beliefs. It's almost as bad as that one book that was out. Uh, this is before the this podcast even started. There was one that was like show people how to groom a, a child so that you could uh, take advantage of them later. It was like some uh, uh, pedophile handbook, and that was on Amazon.com. You know, I, I believe in your right to, to read, be able to read any book. I also believe in the right for the police to sit outside that store and watch you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they got your library card. All right, that's all I'm saying. The I, I believe in our rights also to determine if you bought that book. <laughs> I don't know. It's a line. You know, you, you can't. It's hard for me to to stick to my guns and say you know uh, free censorship, free speech, free this, free that. But you know, I would not have a problem if uh, you know the RCMP was writing down uh, you know the license plates of people walking out with that book. You know, just uh, to use in court later when they have beaten their wife, you know. <sighs> Taking a turn down here, folks. Let's, uh, let's brighten it up a bit here. We have some listener feedback. Uh, Sir Jimmy, I think we're going to need that uh, tweeter noise because we got some tweeters coming in. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, that was a weak <laughs> outing there. <laughs> that's, there yeah, go. that's pretty weak tonight. There you go. Uh, Gonzalo Gomez says, just finished book three of Game of Thrones and you can easily say that it's the best fantasy book he's ever read. And there you go. Um, Melanie C. Duncan says, uh, she thinks 24 seven podcasts about books is a great idea. And, uh, but then again, she's obsessed with books. So uh, she's got, biased. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go, Paul, you need to be live on here 24 hours a day. That's it. I'll just, just tie, tie just, myself to the yeah. chain and exactly. we'll keep rotating in guests. And I'm going to check up on you on 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> you got one hour down, 167 to go. Yes. Sean Austin AAA on Twitter says, uh, I'd like to make a shout out uh, to us and uh, great job, guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. And we have some book suggestions. Uh, we always take your book suggestions, folks. I do write them down, and uh, we'll bring them up in the future. Uh, Ty Fitzgerald, good friend of the show and, lis- and listener, uh, says, just finished Tom Wolfe's The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test from 1967. Uh, great story, but uh, he likes reading a uh, it's kind. Of, he says, it's kind of like reading a book compiled of tweets. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Probably only so <laughs> And there you and go. And Casey was ahead of his time, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and Eni underscore T-S-I-R-H-C sent us a quote. We do not need to proselytize either by our speech or by our writing. We can only do so really with our lives. Let our lives be open books for all to study. Mahatma Gandhi. We're even getting Gandhi quotes on Twitter. This is great. Love it. And uh, you can always join in the conversation, bookguys.ca. That's where we are at. And what do we got for next week, gentlemen? Is there anything, uh, ladies? Uh, what do we got on our plates? Anything new? I'm, I don't know what I'm going to start next. Really, 
Uh, I should be finishing up uh, the last uh, Umberto Echo novel. Nice. Closing in on it. Uh, the Prague Cemetery. You know, you know what, uh, Jim? You're, you're, you've listened to some Mer Lafferty before. I just, I, I just started the Heaven um, season one. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, maybe I should have speaking to you, speaking with you before I started. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I like Mer Lafferty. I like her. I like some of her work. I, you know, listen to a number of her podcasts. I, I did listen to uh, Heaven, the the first book in the series. I have not listened to any of the others. Okay, I, I listened to the and first I'll just leave two. it there. <laughs> okay, because uh, I was a couple episodes in. I was thinking, uh, there better be a, a good punchline here. <laughs> uh, Sir Jimmy, anything on the table? On the table, no. I'm looking for something to read. I, I did just get a, a book in from a publisher, advanced reading copy that I was thinking about taking up this week. When you say taking up, are you going to read it or hollow it out? Uh, well, you, n- you never know. <laughs> or read it, then hollow it out. <laughs> stay tuned, constant readers. That's right. Stay tuned. And Ashley, anything new on the on the horizon? Um, not book wise. Actually, I've I've you know my interest in Emily Carr has been quite renewed. So I have a bunch of her catalog to fix to to catch up on. So that's go. probably what I'll be reading. <laughs> I'm. Uh, Going through Mother of Witches by Justin Samuels, and next up is going to be Phantom by Ted Bell. Yeah. There you go. Lots of good stuff coming up on the horizon. And. Do you guys all like like nonfiction too, or? We love it. We love it. And you know what that music means? It's time for us to go. Yeah. <laughs> Say bye, There's everybody. Bye. <laughs> See bye. you next. See you next so week, long. folks. Hasta la vista. Thank you for joining us, Alan, Ashley, Sir Jimmy, Jim Phillips. Great to be here, Paul. (laughs) Jim is gone already. He hears that music. He just presses the red button on Skype. (laughs) See you next week, folks. Same book time. Same book channel. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time. Same book channel. Thank you.